All right. Hey there, Scott. How you doing? Great to be back. It's a Tuesday after Memorial Day weekend, and that means we're out of the starting gate. It's time for season. So we've been busy prepping and getting everything ready, and now we're off to the races. Guests are coming. And on our side, we've talked a lot about unreasonable hospitality. And for us, it's time to put some of that to work and start to play with that a bit and see what we can do in the operation to, to delight guests and start to build a huge repeat base in Casago Del Mar and to further strengthen the tan experience. So we're excited and I couldn't be more excited about the guest today. So not a guy that I knew of. And then we got locked in the ranch together for four days or three days. And it was amazing. So I'm excited to talk to him today and looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Making it sound like prison. (laughs) (laughs) did you do you let people leave that no i'm just kidding yeah the start of the season here scott was very muted i think we had terrible weather so it's this huge bike rally typically during memorial day and walked out there and drove around and i was like i felt bad for people that spent a lot of money coming down but can't control the weather adam how are things in your neck that was what's going on up there with you uh things are great and I, i would agree with you i always feel a little bit bad when it's raining outside and people are on vacation but at the flip side i have been on many a vacation that i had to struggle through the rain with a house full of kids so i feel their pain but i can relate this weekend was a little muted. Our, the start of our season was muted as well with some rain, but yesterday was gorgeous. It feels like we, we've got back to summer. So excited for the season ahead. The sports season is officially over, so we're in the off season there, but we are definitely full swing of our vacation rental season to Scott's point. So excited to put all of our practices to use. And to Scott's point about our guest this week, very excited to, to chat with Matt to understand a little bit more about where his direction is going forward, but also to dig into the Keystone Retreat. As Scott mentioned, we were both out there last week. It was a very meaningful experience from a vacation rental perspective, from a personal perspective, from a team building perspective, ultimately from a business building perspective. Very excited to chat with Matt. I'll let you to move it over to Matt, but looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Matt, welcome to the show. We appreciate having you on. Long time no chat between you and I, so I hope you're doing well. But yeah, I can't imagine people listening need an intro, but would you mind maybe a brief intro of Mr. Matt Landau's uh, your background and how you got here and what we're talking about today with Keystone? Yeah, I got started in the vacation rental industry in 2006. I was just out of college, knew absolutely nothing about hospitality, went on a trip to the historic district of Panama City, Panama, not to be confused with Panama City, Florida. And this is this incredible UNESCO World Heritage neighborhood, historic district that had been left to deteriorate over decades. And I visited this neighborhood and was really moved by it. I just wanted to learn more. It seemed like it had so much potential, but at the same time, it was dangerous Um, There weren't a whole lot of visitors, tourists there. People looked at me funny. I ended up purchasing the only vacation rental company in town. In fact, at the time, it was the only place to stay. About six months after staying in it, I made friends with the owners and they told me that they were leaving Panama and they gave me the opportunity to buy the business. And so there I was right out of college, no experience hosting travelers, their hard-earned money in this weird off-the-beaten-path kind of destination. And that was really fun and eye-opening. I knew nothing about formal training, but I knew that I loved the neighborhood and I knew that I could show them the things that I loved about the neighborhood. 
which I think is a core tenet of good hospitality. But I also had zero experience with technology. This is before the days of Airbnb. So it was really trial and error. I like to document my lesson, my discoveries. So I started writing down the marketing practices that seemed to be working. I ended up compiling all of those tips into an ebook. And all my friends said, what's an ebook? And I said, it's a $97 investment in the future of your vacation rental business. They said, what's a vacation rental business? And I made a website for it. And I A-B tested it against a couple of other niches, hospitality niches, bed and breakfasts, resorts, hotels. And there was one website, one product that outperformed all the others. And it was the vacation rental version. And so that kind of taught me in starting to sell these books without really doing any extra work, that there's potential in the education in this space because it doesn't really exist yet. And one ebook rolled into two ebooks, two ebooks rolled into 10 ebooks. Conrad, you were a buyer of one of the early ebooks, as are so many of our community members today. They are there from the very beginning. And my next kind of leap was realizing that I got to write more ebooks every time. I'm going to run out of ideas. Why not wrap my portfolio into? a community, an online forum where people can access all the materials and can access one another. And that was the birth of what started off as the inner circle, started using the word community over inner circle because people felt like maybe it was a privileged group or exclusive or something like that. But really, it was just the startings of my online community building. And that sort of brings me to today. I shifted or evolved the online meeting idea, which still exists, to a physical meeting idea, which is where I got to meet Scott and Adam last week at our Keystone retreats, which is really just an evolution of my connecting of people and unlocking of ideas, I would say. Right on. I looked at a curiosity, Matt, when you invited me to said community and it was December 5th, 2014. So that's how long I've been involved in uh, that kind of thing. So it's not 10 years, but it's not too far away from that. So there's a lot that, we, that can be said about that. But the Keystone retreat piece thing, I think that's the most interesting thing to go into. Scott, you've uh, talked about the benefits that you've gotten there. How would you describe it? How would you describe getting to this event and what made you interested in it? You've even said a few times, I wasn't sure, I didn't know, but you ended up pulling the trigger. So who nudged you over the edge? Yeah, yeah. So listen, I blame Adam for nudging me over the edge. Adam and Matt have had a relationship for a while. And, and as Adam and I were talking about his transition over to, to join us and join me, he had written something for Matt Lando, and that led us to having some conversations. And in those conversations, Matt can't say enough good, or Adam can't say enough good things about Matt. And I had heard a lot about him. And then when we were in Arizona, Steve Schwab talked to us a little bit about Keystone. And we started to see it come together. And then when the opportunity came that there was an opening, I think the LinkedIn post hit in like 30 seconds later, Adam said, here it is. Let's get signed up. We got to go. And to your point, Conrad, and I've talked about this several times, it's not something that I'm comfortable with. I don't like, I don't like conferences. I don't like attending Burma. I'm super uncomfortable, just not of the social type at all. So then when you go, oh yeah, but it's different than Burma, it's really small. 
And then when you get there and go, now not only is it really small, now it gets really smaller because now you got to start talking with a small group to do these things. So for me, I blame Adam for getting me there, but it was amazing in every way. And I think it was, Matt and I probably took us about 45 minutes to connect when I got there and I was milling around. And there was this instant spark there with Matt and I just on ideas and conversations and some similarities in path. And as Matt was talking, I wrote down, one of the things he said, and it was restore, right? He went into that neighborhood in, in Panama and wanted to restore it. And then he talks about education. And I think Keystone is both of those things. So Keystone is a restoration. It certainly was a restoration for me because as we start working through the exercise, you start to deal with some stuff that, that you've had to consider or you've had to try to not consider and push down. And for me, night one, sitting around after we do simple introductions, Matt and Steve waste no time. We got to start doing small group stuff with the person to your right, person to your left. And for me, restoration started pretty immediately. And it was a group sharing. And luckily, they didn't start with me. They started on the other side of the room. And as that momentum grew, there was this moment, Conrad, of, oh, shit, like th this is going to be serious. People are sharing here. This is sharing. And by the time it came to me, my guard was down. I was ready to go. And really, that was the catalyst to kicking off just an amazing experience for me. All not super comfortable, all a little bit uncomfortable, but I started to really settle in with this group. And then as Matt and I were talking towards the end, what I talked to him about is how do we keep this going, right? So how do we take this power that we had all together and just keep it going and keep it integrated into our lives, right? What we all know is we have these great experiences and this was by far one of the best business retreat experiences that I've ever had. Now I say it's business retreat. It's really, maybe it's 50, 50, but I think it's personal first, but we all know that we can take that. And then we drive outside of the gates or we leave the hotel and the real world is waiting for us, right? The real world's on the other line to say, Hey, while you were gone, here's the list of things that went wrong. But Adam and I had a lot of conversation and really that was around, how do we not let this go? So that was my super long answer to, I'd like Matt to go into a little bit about, does he see it the same as restoration? Is it a restoration in education? And Matt, really, what are you trying to restore if you're trying to restore something in the leadership of our business? That was a beautiful summary. I agreed with every word and appreciate the commentary. And the word restor restorative definitely resonates. The property where the retreat was hosted, it's called Spring Lakes Ranch. And the building where we hosted that first morning session was actually originally a rehab facility. And the owners, the now owners of the farm, their daughter was checked in and that facility ended up not being able to survive and shut down. And they decided to buy the facility and the farm. And I think really to just continue that restorative energy, when you walk through that Texas hillside, Scott, you told me Texas just hits different. Yeah. And it's true. You're walking through this beautiful, just open space with nature and lakes and animals. And it's really different from the normal lives that we go about. Like it's a bit of a, 
shock. You're like, wow, this is amazing. And wow, I can fish? I can catch a fish? And wow, look at these longhorn bulls. Go for a walk, sit in a hammock. And we started like really doubling down on the space where we host these retreats. Uh, After the first one that we hosted back in August, we realized that farms, big open spaces are restorative in this world in which we are constantly running about. So I think that kind of segues into your question about leadership. And I think what Steve and I have learned in this process, because it has been a very, a self-discovery process in a lot of ways, because we didn't really know what we were aiming for at the beginning. I think it's starting to get a little bit clearer, but it's still unfolding. And for us, we keep peeling back all these layers and we were like, eh, maybe it's not necessarily a technical conference. Maybe it's more of a leadership conference. And then we went from leadership, meh, maybe being a leader is about being a better human. And then we go, eh, being a better human. And then it's all these layers keep going and going. And we've started to think about each of the retreats as a chance to get clearer on who you are as a leader and how you lead, and how you communicate, and how you navigate these crazy new times. Because the shit is hitting the fan everywhere. And you see some people are losing it. A lot of people are losing it because they don't know how to manage the change. And I like to think that the spaces that we select and the events themselves are really rooted in reconnecting, restoring, and understanding of oneself. Yeah, I agree strongly. As the guy on this side, I agree strongly with that. That is certainly my takeaway. And it's been profound even going forward, right? So I came off vacation, which put me in a bit of a different headspace going in. Then I did this and then I had the the ability to take a long weekend after. So I can tell you we're a week and a half after and I spent more time writing notes this weekend and really flushing through so many thoughts and feelings, it was, it was incredible. So it just keeps on going. But your point is well taken. There needs to be a way to continue that work, that energy. And we're working on that. So Adam, you had a chance to, uh, Scott said it a minute ago, it made me laugh when LinkedIn posts went up, you immediately hopped on it. I think I know why, but explain for the listeners, why hop on it immediately? You, Matt didn't have to hard sell you or anything like that. Why is that? Yeah, no, I would. I was all in as soon as I saw it. I think I had tried to get into one or two prior to that, and just didn't end up making it for whatever reason. We were like, "Sir, you don't have a ticket. <laughs> You're gonna have to go home now." But yeah, so as soon as I saw it, I immediately messaged Scott and said, "Hey, we should consider this." And I honestly didn't know what to expect. And everything that Matt and Scott are describing is exactly what you should expect. So if you're listening to this and, and thinking about going to a future one and, and wondering what it is, I think you need to be ready for some some soul searching, some internal discussions, the ability to connect with small groups of people. It is that restorative side of things. It's You might go in thinking that it's about leadership, but the reality is it's a lot more introspective than what you might think of from a typical leadership retreat, which is fantastic. I think that's exactly what this industry needs. And to Matt's point, the space is really what I took away from it as well. It's amazing to walk around a farm, to see all of this nature and to be able to listen to it. One of the things that I don't think we realize just on our everyday basis is how much noise there is around us. 
And that's collectively, right, in our heads, but realistically just noise like at a verbal level when you're outside just walking around. And when you're walking around that farm, you start to just listen to nature, which is very good. I think that alone is restorative, but it puts you in a place where you can start to dig deeper on yourself. So a lot for me was the space and the time. Being there on a Monday and taking an afternoon walk or going to shoot hoops at two o'clock in the afternoon is not something I'm typically doing on a Monday. So having that not only get you into a place where you're having some of these deeper discussions and deeper thought process, but then giving you the space and the time to actually integrate some of that was really powerful. But to go back to your question, why I wanted to get there, I think one of the things that is important in this industry is to continue to build these educational opportunities and to build the community. I think we've been trying to do that as an industry for a very long time, but I also think we're at a point in this industry where it's a bit broken. If you think about the way that we've done it, or if you ask anyone in the industry, how do you get out there and network and meet people? It's typically going to be the standard conferences that we all go to, Verma probably being the biggest one. And I think we're all starting to recognize that there's something wrong in the way that these conferences are being held, or wrong might be a little bit too strong, but there's something that could be improved. And this level of conference, I think, is a really good adjunct to the other conferences that that we'll all continue doing. I think there's a place and a time for those other conferences because it is educational. It is the opportunity to, to network and to meet new vendors and to find new tech and to learn new products. But at the same time, you're not really getting to the depth that we all need to in order to improve personally as a business or collectively as an industry. I think that these Keystone retreats are a really important step in whatever this evolution is. I think that over the course of the last, whatever, 20 plus episodes, we've all been around the edges of what this evolution is. I think none of us have really put our finger on it. Where is this industry going? What are those next evolutions? I think these Keystone retreats, not only because of the introspection and the space and the integration of all your your thinking, but also because of the community that we're starting to build with that group that were there, but then you extrapolate that as the collective community for now, everyone who's attended the Keystone. I think we're starting to get to the core of who's going to continue to drive this evolution. Now, at the end of the day, I think that's ultimately where my mind is. What is that evolution? Like, where are we headed? Now, as Scott and I have been talking about, unreasonable hospitality is where Scott and I are anchoring where our direction is going. But I think that's just one component of the bigger evolution that this industry is going through. So I welcome the opportunity to continue down this sort of restorative, educational, and I'd throw in community path, because I think community is also one of the things that Matt mentioned that this is also doing. I think it's building a really strong community at the core of this industry. And I think we really need that. We need people who are driving this industry in the direction that we want it to go. Now, we all got opinions and decisions as to what that means, but I think when we get a tight core with similar concepts about where we want this to go, I think then we have the opportunity to really push that forward. So I'm hopeful that's what these retreats are doing. What's your frame on that, Matt? Is this a part of a broader goal of changing the industry or is it more about just changing the people that show up or is that the goal by changing the people that show up? Do you have a larger movement that spawns out of it? The idea was born from what we felt was room for improvement on the thought leadership front. We were tired of the same people on stage talking about the same subjects year after year, ourselves included. And you don't just call on someone who's really bright or who's a really great operator to teach. 
because teaching is completely different. It's about communicating what you know, which is a skill unto itself. And upon realizing that you need a space for that, to practice that, you need a space to be able to share a discovery or an honest question or a conflict that you have. You need a space to begin talking about that stuff to then get to a point where you feel comfortable enough sharing it with more than just a couple people. So that was the original premise to create spaces to cultivate these new voices. And one of the things, probably one of my, the professional things I'm most proud of is that we have begun doing that. So we now have subject matter cohorts. The first one took place last February in Georgia, taught by Amanda Hoffman, who attended the first Keystone retreat and who's so passionate about reimagining what finance and accounting means in vacation rentals, because we all know there's zero standards right now. (laughs) She felt so passionate about that and that she felt comfortable enough after that first outing to put together a full methodology to teach 20 other people. And I saw that, I was like, wow, now there's a process for someone like that to share what makes her amazing. And it is a process. It takes time. You don't just flip it overnight. And that's why I think it can be a frustrating thing, both as the expert who wants to speak on stage at a large event and for the large event who doesn't really want to gamble on someone who's new because they might suck. They'll probably suck. Well, we all start off, we suck. So that requires practice and that requires a system. And that was the initial premise of creating Keystone was to create a system in which ideas can organically bubble up to the top. Now we start looking forward and asking what is the future? What's possible? And I would say we still don't know, but that each of these events significantly changes our opinion on it in a deeper way. It's like way different than what we originally thought, which was let's make a new association, which it's definitely not. And that's where associations are really powerful. Like an association has a mandate and that's how that works. We ended up settling on a small business events company business model in which that's the driver of revenue. That was really important to us to be able to sustain ourselves without relying on vendors or sponsors. So when you attend a retreat, the cost of your ticket covers the cost of production. And therefore the objective of the event is pure and there's no sales pitches or hidden agendas. And we felt that was a huge breakthrough as well. At the very least to create a space where the ideas can happen, where the leaders can invent, innovate, do deals together. So I would say we don't have the answer to what the big vision is just yet, but we do know the foundation is being laid. It's really clear and it's really strong. Let's create a foundation, a way of doing things, help individuals identify what their way of doing things is. What are their values? What do they stand for? All of them are great, by the way. And from there, begin to build up. And 
I would say from a, using that word Scott used earlier, restorative, finding ourselves again as an industry because it's gotten quite messy. On that note, Matt, I'm curious what, I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but my essential question is, what do you get out of the events? You mentioned there's obviously some fee you have to pay, and I've looked at the fee, and it's really, it's not a lot for what you get from looking here from afar. So I can't imagine these things are, have you rolling in Rolexes and Lamborghinis and things like that down there. I'm sure it covers the cost. When you finish an event or when you're going through it, what's the thought process for Matt? What does Matt get out of a Keystone? Event. Come to a Keystone retreat. You could drive my Ferrari <laughs> overnight. <laughs> That's it. But no, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that you could have gone down that path to be clear. You have the audience and you have the ability to, there's a lot of people in the industry who do this. They take that monetization lever and they pull it as hard as they absolutely can and they sell these get rich quick scheme type things now i know you and i know that's not really your bent having known you for some time but maybe people listening probably don't know you it would have been easy for you to maximize the profit or the revenue you obviously chose not to do that so there must be some personal motivations at play i guess that's what i'm trying to get at i was asked by a a business a ceo who will remain nameless he said are you driven by fame i said no he said are you driven by money I said, no, I have like enough to do the things that I love. He's like, all right, just continue doing exact, ex- the exact same thing. Don't even think, don't even think about changing your path. And so I was like, okay, that's really good advice. But what is my path? What is that exact same thing? And what has become evident is that what I enjoy the most, what I find the most fulfilling and gratifying is connections with people who I admire, really bright people, kind people who have been through a lot. I thrive in environments when those people are open and connecting with one another. That for me is like fractals of joy. And that's what ultimately in-person retreats can offer. You can't really get to that level of intimacy on a Zoom over one hour, much less. So I think, and I think Steve would agree. In fact, we had this conversation after the last retreat. We reviewed our favorite moments of the retreat. What was the most meaningful? And all of our our collective moments were about these connections with people that went so much deeper than dynamic pricing. No offense to the dynamic pricing specialists. <laughs> so much deeper than short-term rentals. Really so much deeper than hospitality as a business. It was human, really meaningful human stuff. And when I saw that starting to happen at our first retreat, I was like, this is what I really want to do. I want to do more of this. It's the next leap for me is to take everything that I love about community online and really bring it into a physical space. And that's what I get out of it. I leave these retreats moved. What are some moments maybe, Scott, that you can reference? And I don't know if you may not want to say names or things like that, maybe to protect some of the moments that those were, but what were some things that you experienced during the event that have you writing down those notes here on two weeks later? Can you share a few of them? Yeah, so I'll just talk about me, right? For me, it, it was easy. I was surrounded by people, and keep in mind, different than you guys, right? I'm an outsider, right? So I knew names. Again, I knew Matt's name, 
And like you, Conrad and I, we've been at this for, I don't, it's been a while now. I haven't seen Conrad face to face. We have not met. I may so, not be a real person. You don't actually. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> so Conrad, that, that was my experience, right? As we walked in, I heard names and I would go, oh, I've heard that name. And no, I've heard that name. And there were some names I didn't know. And I would have to look over at my partner here and go, who's that one? Who's that? And Adam would tell me a story. And what I'm used to, Conrad, and I think we've talked about this, and this isn't meant to be offensive towards Verma or anyone else, but I'm so used to the big ego need for Verma, right? Everyone walks in that everything is fine and my shit is best and couldn't be better and I'm rolling in money and I've got Rolexes and Ferraris, right? That's the message when you walk around, right? It's everyone with their chest puffed a little bit further, right? And within minutes, it was clear here that there was none of that, that that all of that was gone. And, and almost, to Matt's point, almost inherently with walking in and just seeing where you were, it, it fell away. So Conrad, to answer your question, we first the first night you get a sense of, and I think Adam and I even talked about it, oh, it's not, this is not normal. This is different. <laughs> and then the second day comes the experience that I hate the most, and it's, all right, everyone, break in your small group. And I'm just like, shit, right? Here we go. And I won't get into the actual exercise, but ultimately you sit around with a group and you start to ask each other questions and you start to have conversations about, hey, what do I want to do? Hey, what am I wrestling with? And I throw out to the group what I think I'm wrestling with, right? And I say, I'm just not sure. I'm stuck. I need to figure some things out. I feel like I'm in no man's land. I'm trying to swim. And one of the guys in my group that I end up really connecting with, he prompts me with this list of questions. And sends me reeling because I can't answer his questions. I'm stuck, right? And now I'm like, yeah, why are you asking it that way? And that way is harder. And then we take a break into Adam's point and to Matt's point. Then you get this space, right? So then you have this time to reflect. And I really started to reflect. And then you go back on a double down. And I posted this picture on LinkedIn. And Matt even phrases it or tells you going into it. Like, all right, listen, you're all going to think we're nuts, but it's going to be okay and they break out these Legos. And then they say, go do creative things with these Legos, which I'm immediately like, all right, now we're in a small group again, which I hate. Now we have to do creative stuff and we're using toys, right? So now I'm like completely broken. But during that, then I start to really realize where I'm sitting, right? And I start to make this shift. And then comes this part process, Conrad, where we present our work, if you will, to everyone, to this whole group. And then comes this series of questions, right? And now people are going to start to ask, well, what do you think about that? Why are you thinking that way? And for me, that launched me into this crazy exercise. And then I started to say, I don't know what I'm feeling. So Conrad, I went on this crazy moment with ChatGPT. I started to talk to ChatGPT and say, here's what I'm working on, right? And I'm trying to come up with a word for how I'm feeling, right? And I take it through this process and ChatGPT, it's five o'clock in the morning, Chat GPT comes back and says, you're restless. And Conrad, there was this moment of just, I'm at this kitchen table in the front of the room and I start crying. I got tears in my eyes like, man, this is it. And then I'm going further with Chat GPT and I know it sounds ridiculous, but but I'm having like this counseling session with Chat GPT and I'm asking it questions, it's responding. And I end up having to put everything down and I go outside and I do this walk. And I come back and I said, all right, Chat GPT, great counselor of mine. What's the opposite of restless? And it gives me these 10 words. And then it 
starts to it says well, which one of these words adam has seen the chat it's 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 talking to me like we're friends like it's walking me through this and it gives me this list of 10 words and i said man harmony is that sounds amazing to me tell me a little bit more about harmony i end up conrad really landing on all of these things that i've been feeling i've been i felt like i've been in no man's land right i'm taking a 30 year old business and we're in the middle of this pivot where we're going to regrow it We've started Casago Del Mar. We've got some these other huge ideas, but I feel like I'm like halfway through and I keep looking back going, do I go back to where I came from, where I knew I just crossed the checkpoint and do I just stay there? Am I still going forward? And I started to get clarity on my position in no man's land and my propensity to keep moving the target really isn't that issue. That issue is my own feelings of restlessness and what that meant. So then we get into piling more onto that and we make this shift over to the business side. But it starts, Conrad, with how are you feeling? And it's this deep thing. And then you look and go, I started to go, how is my restlessness affecting the business? And then you look and go, if I was harmonious, what would that look like on the business? And ultimately, that's where we went, Conrad, is it's this step-by-step building process. And being around all those strangers. And again, I knew names um, and seeing the interactions and hearing everyone's story. So many times as entrepreneurs, we believe that we're on our own. We feel incredibly lonely. And I think Conrad, you and I have had this talk before on another topic, right? No, no one understands the loneliness that we feel, right? Because we don't have anyone to talk to. Before Adam got here, and Adam can tell you, I, I literally, I'm up by myself at the top. Adam has looked at me a couple of times to say, dude, I don't know how you were going. This was this unveiling of real emotion of people that are having the same problems as you, but also problems far worse than you. And yet here they are, they're continuing, they're growing. And now they're sitting here and talking to a group of people that they don't know. So Conrad, I went really long and I tried not to get into the details because I think the details matter when you really get into this, like the exercise that you go through Matt, I've used that exercise on 10 different aspects of my life, right? At this point, I, I continue and I continue to use chat GPT. I, sometime I'll, I'll, I'll re- work with a real human. But Conrad, it, it is a, the experience for me was pulling people together and having this community where I could tell you today, if something came up, I have probably 15 people that I could reach out to, to say, Hey, I'm in a jam. I'm having trouble thinking about something. And I need your help. And I would get a response probably in minutes. The isolation comments, Scott, I guess I'm wondering back to your story, your origin story, Matt, which I've heard many times before, but you said, I went down, I moved to another country. I started this new business that I didn't really know much about. You had to almost live a new culture and things like that. I don't know the exact ages, but what would 24 year old Matt or something feel about going to a Keystone retreat today? If you could pop him in a time machine and go to one of these events today, would he have some of these same feelings you think when he was back running his vacation rental business back then? Me? Yeah. You. Oh man. I thought you said Scott. So I was a little no, bit no. sidetracked there. No, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. I think that I was very immature, <clears throat> very immature emotionally when I was 24. Many would argue that I'm still very immature emotionally today, <laughs> but I wouldn't necessarily pause to observe or reflect or appreciate things. I was just like about speed and doing more 
and creating stuff. Like that was just the phase that I was in. And I sometimes think, just imagine how much I could have actually learned if I paid attention in college. I didn't pay attention at all. I feel terrible about it. So I don't think necessarily the 24-year-old would have seen the value in it. There might be an age thing there. That said, we've had people at the retreats who are 25 and they're mature enough adults to know that they have a challenge that they want to solve that they haven't been able to do on their own. So I think it really depends on if you're at a point in your life when you're ready for that. Although it might have been interesting if a 24-year-old me found a group like that early on. Who knows what would have happened? Adam, I was just curious about that one because of the like the thought process of like how you got there and what would what were the things that you went through to maybe get there. But over to you, Adam, what were some of your, again, takeaways, these same events? Did you have the same experience as Scott or was it a different thing where you experienced things differently and you had a different outcome, even though the activity was the same, your own internal dialogue was probably different? My guess is that uh, everyone there has a similar refocusing. I guess that's the way I would put it. It gives you the exercises to refocus. It gives you the small groups to discuss and refocus. It gives you the time and space to refocus. So I think there is just a natural path of refocusing and trying to get to the important parts of your life and then the important parts of your business. So I, I think my discussion would be very similar to where Scott's was. Now, we end up in different endpoints on a personal level, but we circle back on that last day of the retreat to dive into the business side, which Scott and I were fortunate to be there together. And I don't even know if anybody else in our cohort was there with anyone from their business, but we were. So we were taking those exercises and using the time on the farm to walk around and talk business. Now, part of that was also the space and the time to talk on the business side. So I, I think there's value on, on the internal side to have that, but then there's also a lot of value in having the space and time to think about that on the business side. So Scott and I left there with action items. We were putting together, we've already gone through and done our vision and our mission that we're in the process of now rolling out to, to our teams within the next week or two. So we're putting things into place very quickly. Although with that said, I think the overarching benefit is definitely on a personal level because you get to be refocused, which then reinvigorates you to put more time and effort into your business, I think is where I would take the end from, from the retreat. But I do wrestle with, with a couple of things with this discussion. And I'm a little bit in the same way as Matt in the sense that I tend to be speed. And I think it's just the place in my life right now where I'm trying to juggle a lot of different things and I put my head down and, and try to go. And I think that there is a lot of value in pausing and slowing down. And that's one of my takeaways is the time and the space to think through some of these things. But on the flip side of this, we've mentioned a couple of times on the industry, and I'm curious, Matt, why you, what's your perspective on, on how the industry got a little messy? And then how do we go about correcting it? Because the part that I wrestle with in this discussion is scale. And maybe again, that goes back to my speed and trying to put one foot in front of the other. But how do we scale this? And I say that from the perspective of a personal level, how do I continue the restorative nature that Keystone Retreats helped me get to seven days ago? How do I continue that path in my life? What are some exercises that we should think about there? But really where my question lies is on an industry level, how did the industry get messy? And then how do we start to correct it? And where does Keystone play a part in correcting it? And I pass that over to you, Matt. I think everything's getting messy. Mm -hmm. All industries are getting messy, especially emerging categories like ours are getting messy. And 
every power structure is being challenged right now. And increasingly, the speed at which ChatGPT is helping Scott, that you ain't seen nothing yet. Who knows what's gonna happen next? Nobody can predict what's gonna happen next. It's crazy. Not even the experts. And I think it boils down to how you deal with that change. And I have always resorted to community. And I know that word gets thrown around a lot, but where I first learned it was in Panama, where it was my responsibility as a community member to solve our own problems. There was no government agencies that were going to come and clean up. There was no police that were willing to come in and demobilize the gangs. No one else was going to come and solve this problem. And so it fell on the shoulders of the people who lived there, which by the way, was a huge mix of people. It was me, it was some other expats. It was Panamanians who were investors, but still didn't really like to go into the neighborhood. It was neighbors who had lived there and paid rent for years. It was squatters who had lived there for years and not paid any rent. There's all these different types of people. And as a community, you basically have to step out into the street, chat with one another, whether you like them or not, and work on solutions. And that whole community process really showed me that the more diverse a community can be, if there is a unifying value that everybody really appreciates, then it can actually, the diversity is its greatest strength. And we did this exercise in which we brought together stakeholders of the community, all different sides. And we ended up putting on the board a shared vision of what everybody in this room likes most about Casco Viejo, why they live there. And the commonalities were so striking. It's the location, the view of the ocean, the history, it's where my parents grew up, all these like human basics. And once we established those things, I won't say it was easy, but at least we had a shared vision that the group could row towards. And that was from millionaire investors to gang mem- gang leaders and everybody in between. That was a really good lesson in how to unite people and conflict resolution and communication. At that time, I was just getting my feet wet in leadership, so I didn't really know what it meant. I just showed up to help with whatever I could and ended up finding areas that I liked uh, more than others, areas that I was good at. So I applied that learning of community, which is that neighborhood is now the most popular neighborhood in the entire region, been featured in every travel and leisure Condé Nast type magazine. And it features the very people who were there from the beginning, who still live there, who are so proud of this place because now they're integrated into the growth. And I was like, wow, you have gang member, former gang tour company in Condé Nast. That's pretty freaking awesome. So if you can do that with marginalized groups, why can't you do that with a business category? And so I come back to our space that is getting more and more messy, our definitions that are blurred, 
people arguing about different opinions, ways of doing things. Nobody knows. This is the little secret. No one knows what it's going to look like. So the best next step, in my opinion, is to get under one roof, ideally a physical roof, could also be a virtual roof, and have honest conversations with one another. And if you can have an honest conversation with someone who's different than you, but you both have this thing that you hold dear, really incredible things are possible. And I thought that cohort that you guys attended was such a powerful example when online, there was a lot of crazy noise going on those two days. And yet somehow everybody disconnected from the noise and came down into the physical one-on-one space. And when you're looking someone in the eye and you're with them for two days, it's hard not to form a kind of bond with them. None of the people in that cohort were doing exactly the same thing. But as you guys said, I think there's common solutions for all of them. And I like to think that if we continue doing that, bring people who are attracted to that into one place, then I think the future can be a really beautiful thing. Right on. I know we're at time here, Matt, and I hate to stop it because <laughs> I know, I, we could probably keep going and have a lot more insight. But uh, is there any parting thoughts, maybe, Scott, Adam, that you guys want to layer in? And maybe we can probably convince Matt to come on again if he's willing to down the road, because I think that conversation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I think we, we landed it well, right? And I think it continues to tie into the story, right? We were, we talked to Steve Schwab about community and one of the things we closed our conversation with him about is, and Adam has said this many times about us, Adam and I are not going to the courthouse. We're not going to do the political fight. But what we talked about is let's meet the community in the community and have the discussions there, right? This drive to all fight each other and take each other on at the courthouse, we'll see you at the meeting, right? Is There's nothing good that's going to come from that. And I think, and this starts with Matt talking about restoring, and then we get into each level of this story, right? And ultimately, as we've sat here, Matt's peeled back several, and, and where we've landed is we've got to get into our communities, right? That community is us, right? Certainly our group, but from a business perspective, that community is where we are working, right? Who we're working with. And we got to stop this shit about fighting each other, right? Like Matt said, there was some real craziness going on while we were together. The craziness continued. But then there was also this moment of where I agree with Matt. I think that's just a microcosm of what exists all around us every day. That's what's happening with the guy next door that hates the owner that has the rental, right? So I think it's just this ever-expanding thing. So I think if we take what we learn in a keystone event, right? In a keystone moment and say, that's not just about me and that's not just about the 15 other people, but now how do I take that and be better in my community, my business community, right? And what are we gonna do different inside of our community? I think to Matt's point, that's where we make a difference, right? It's driving all the way to the actual communities where we live, where we serve and where we do business. Yeah, I love Matt's answer around the messy question. I agree. I think the world is messy in general. Maybe it always is. It definitely feels like it's messy right now. And I think we have to get comfortable in that mess to some degree. 
And that can be uncomfortable, right? It can be a challenge to be in a messy situation. But at the same time, there's a huge opportunity when things are messy. When things are changing, that's the biggest time where you can find those new niches, find those new paths and create the path that you want to be on. When I listened to Matt's response as to A, what creates the mess and B, what the next step is, I think the time in Panama is a fantastic analogy. And I think that we're pretty close to that right now in in this area. I think what it comes down to is connecting on that human level. And we're focused a little bit on on the industry, but I would I would expand that to think about the guest and the homeowner side as well. I think the next opportunity in this industry is that connection on the human level. Now, my question earlier was about scale. How do we scale that? That is not easy. Connecting on a human level and one-to-one and getting down deep with each other is not easy to scale. But I think that great ideas will come out of this. I think we need to continue to build the communities. We need to continue to connect with each other and try to have the space and the time to connect at depth, which is what Keystone is offering us right now. My hope is that we have more of those types of events, even if it's not necessarily Keystone, hopefully this creates a new opportunity for us to have those type of discussions and to get deeper with each other as an industry, with guests, with homeowners. So my takeaway from this is A, it's messy, but B, there's big opportunities in that mess. And I think that we just need to continue to connect on that human level. So that's really lines up well with where Scott and I were already headed with unreasonable hospitality anyway. So that seems to be where the gravity is pulling me right now is that human connection one-on-one, how do we figure out how to scale that? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm excited to try to figure it out. Right on. Matt, I'll put links in the show notes, obviously, to keystoneevents.co. I think that's the domain that people should be checking out so people can kind of learn more and explore and sign up. But any parting thoughts, Matt, before we put a bow on this one? No, this has been great. It was really cool to hang with you guys. And I think just the general tone of this conversation I need to listen to more episodes, but real stuff, I think that doesn't get nearly enough attention. So you guys are doing a service with this type of podcast and yeah, exciting times ahead. Awesome. Like I said, Matt, we'll definitely want to have you back on. Steve's a reoccurring guest. He comes on every 10 episodes. So we'll have to talk to your agent maybe and see if we can get you on some kind of reoccurring schedule as well. But it was great to chat with you. Um, We appreciate everybody listening this far. If you made it this far, thank you. Leaving a review would help us out quite a bit. That would help your leadership skills. Not really. It just helps us out. So if you made it this far, go ahead to your podcast app of choice, drop a review in there. We really appreciate it. We'll put links to show notes to what Matt's doing. You can check out what he's doing. And I wanted to end on this very last thing, which is Matt helped me a lot back in, I shared earlier, back in that 2013, 2014, 15 timeframe, I didn't know what I was doing. And Matt, maybe he didn't have the fully formed Keystone event thing set up at that time, but I think he's always had this characteristic to him where Matt helps when it helps the person, doesn't help himself. That's Matt. And I learned that way back then. And I still think he's doing that today. So that's good to see because Matt helped me way back then, even though it did not benefit him whatsoever and it helped me a lot. So thank you for that, Matt. And I would love to make a future event as well. So thank you guys. We appreciate it. And we'll catch you on the next episode.